It's not enough to simply be the best product anymore. You have to show people why it matters to them. That's why positioning and messaging is everything. It's how you connect to what customers really care about, make your product's value clear, and stand out from the rest. Easy, right? No, it's not. But you can learn from folks who have faced and conquered these challenges before. So join me, Emma Stratton, as I talk to top product marketing leaders about the wild and wonderful world of messaging, the thrills, the spills, the hard-won truths, and the total myths, the adventures in messaging. Hello, and welcome to season two of Adventures in Messaging. I'm your host, Emma Stratton, and today for the first episode of the season, I am super excited to be joined by Indy Sen, VP of Product and Platform Marketing at Matterport. Hey, Indy. Hey, Emma. Nice to see you. It is so. Yeah, it is so good to see you in the somewhat flesh. I love following you on LinkedIn and seeing all of the posts that you share. I, I love kind of your, your perspective on messaging, another messaging oh, thank fan. You. Yeah, um, I am. Yeah, you know, I really love, you said uh, the other day, you talked about messaging. You likened messaging to an API, like messaging should be seen as like an API within a company. And yeah. I thought that was super cool. Could you tell, tell me a bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I mean, you know, and maybe this is by virtue of having been on um, working on a lot of, you know, like technical products in my marketing career. Right. And so uh, the, the inner nerd in me kind of made this analogy a couple of years ago, actually, of all places, when I was at WeWork, when I was trying to describe to my team what good messaging is and how we can be leveraged in an organization was I was telling them that, you know, if done right, it should be something as simple as saying, hey, I need messaging for this. And then it's given back to you, right? And, and a good product marketing organization to me is always a standard bearer for that type of stuff, right? And, and if you can have a messaging be as natural and as accessible as, a, as an API to the rest of your organization is basically, um, you know, a, a multiplier, right? Like I think if you think about the best messaging to me is something that's, you know, clear, concise, and repeatable. And that's something that you could fit on one slide for a product or for a specific audience, you know, you name it, right? Like there's a lot of messaging frameworks out there, but if done right, it's something you could hand over to a team, you know, like at WeWork, for example, I had my regional manager in India who took a look at a messaging framework that we had for WeWork for Enterprise, right? And then was able to take a look and be like, oh, this is great because I can localize this one. This one doesn't resonate as much in our market, but these three value props really do. And I'm going to take this right and it was something where if you do it right like you're just going to send a lot of cycles and time downstream right because ideally it's something that people can kind of ladder up to and really pick what they want and what resonates and it's also a living and breathing thing right like you know apis also like you know you're always going to end you like endpoints and you know uh, uh, different things there and you're going to get better over time right like you look at stripe you look at twilio uh you know they've always kind of continuously improved there and like you know i think for me the way I think about messaging is that's a living and breeding thing. It's certainly something that's canonical, but it's also something where if you've done right, you just put it out there and the rest of your organization can kind of benefit from it. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's where the, 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 those are my thoughts there. That's so good. That's amazing. So please, may I borrow that? And I will, Absolutely. I will, yes, I will definitely quote you on it, but I think it's a really great uh, analogy to help people understand, you know, the power and the utility of a messaging strategy in an organization. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, great messaging, then what is foundational to good messaging? I mean, what comes first in your eyes? Yeah, you know, it's a question I've gotten a lot lately, just because we're in the throes of it here at Matterport in, in terms of like, you know, 
up-leveling, how we want to talk about our products, the overall platform, how all these things come together. And, you know, it's, uh, we have a lot of talented people who, you know, can write like, you know, some really great, like, you know, messaging and copy and whatnot, right? But, but I think it comes back to first principles. And to me, the precursor to any good messaging has to be positioning, right? If you don't align on what your product is, what it does, who it's for, what makes it special, you know, what breaks it from like the pack, right? You're not going to be able to translate that into like, you know, um, like, you know, messaging that really resonates with your specific audience. So to me, positioning is always a precursor to messaging and has to come first. It's, uh, you know, it's foundational. It's also some, for me, I've found that in my experience that it's also something that's, you know, if you're not aligned on positioning, you know, like you need to be very quickly, right? Because it's going to be an impediment to you crafting that messaging and going to market. And also, you know, I've also been in, in areas where, you know, it's a, uh, it's a great way to kind of make sure that everyone's aligned on what this, your product or the feature that you're building is for what it does and, and, and whatnot, right? So, so it's a great alignment mechanism uh, and hopefully one that you want to get catch early in the game, but then it's an absolute precursor and, and primitive to, to messaging. Yeah. So I like that you bring up alignment um, because it's hard to align on a message, right? I mean, let's talk about alignment for a second, because it's a huge piece of of product marketing, um, trying to rally an organization around, you know, a core message. Um, It's it's not easy. So, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of alignment and, and getting people aligned? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, and you know, sometimes, you know, you'll think alignment is, uh, you know, I think it's definitely a shared goal, right? But when it comes to messaging, I do think that it's the product marketers to, and the product marketing team to to make sure that people are aligned on what we're going to say and how we're going to say it, right? If I think, you know, uh, one of the analogies I remember from my Google days was, you know, that uh, you know, product and engineering will come up. Let's say you, I'm a big movie nerd, right? So the analogy <laughs> I'll use is that. Um, you know, product and engineering comes up with a plot, right, of the movie, but then it's one thing to go from the plot to like the actual narrative, right? And right. I think that's where the marketing team and specifically product marketing takes those plot points and, um, and delivers like a really compelling story. So one example, just because, uh, you know, for, for, from the movies is the other day, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, I have young kids, so we took advantage of like HBO Max streaming yep. the Godzilla versus Kong, right? And oh, I like, haven't seen that. We were yeah. going to watch it last Friday, but we didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's actually a pretty good movie. I mean, I like, I like you know, those big monster movies. I grew up with them <laughs> and it's so well done. I mean, this is like state-of-the-art effects and whatnot, right? And, right. and, it's, and it's good, clean fun, right? You're not going to go looking for like a Oscar-worthy performance. Although, you know, there's, you know, you do feel for King Kong. He's, he's very, he's the one you're ready for. But where I was going with that is that I was reading the synopsis on um, on HBO Max, right? It's saying, you know, two titans clashing, you know, a battle of the decade, um, you know, uh, um, uh, but, you know, with unseen forces behind the scenes, right? So you're like, you're like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was big monsters beating themselves up, right? But 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 then I looked at that and, and I saw the movie and I was like, this was actually pretty well executed because that plot... Um, and, and then the through line with the delivery of the movie was, was actually pretty well done. And then I thought back and I'm a big comic book nerd. And I remember being very disappointed with Batman versus Superman, you know, a couple okay. of years ago. And you look at the plot point of that, that's exactly the same premise, right? Two Titans, you know, who clash for the first time, an epic battle, a duel of the ages, but, you know, unseen forces behind the scenes. Right. And, you know, you, I had to see the movie a couple of times to realize that, okay, that's kind of what they were going for, but then the execution completely faltered. Right. right. And, uh, 
And I'm like, how is it that in, they made a movie more emotionally resonant between two giant monsters who don't even speak to each other, where you feel the, the tension and all of that. And, and, and it's an actually much better movie than one where you have these fabled properties for like, you know, 80 years going, right? And where everybody knows Batman, everybody knows Superman. And, but, but yet it was not a compelling movie. Right. right? Or not a compelling story. So, so that's, to, you know, so going back to, you know, messaging and, and you know, the, the alignment stuff, if you're not aligned on how you're going to, even if you have the best idea, but if you're not aligned on how you're going to deliver it, that's, that's a huge pain point. And that's one that I think if I go back to the, just the examples of like, you know, product marketing and, and business messaging is, you know, everyone can start with like a great idea. And it's one thing, you know, in the consumer world, you can, you can rest on those laurels alone, right? Like you have something, you blog about it and, you know, people will come, right? Like yeah. people <laughs> have thrived on that for decades, right? But, um, but on, uh, in B2B, it's not as easy to say, hey, I have a great product and believe me, you're going to love it and yeah. you can buy it. You're going to talk to my sales rep and all that, that all of our wrapper and messaging and execution matters even more, right? And, and to me, that's where alignment and good positioning has to be uh, there. And one of the mechanisms that I use for positioning is actually this, um, I'm very fond of like, you know, Jeffrey Moore's writings, mm-hmm. he wrote that book, Crossing the Chasm yep. a couple of years ago. And he has a positioning framework that I've often referred to in my career and that I've also, you know, given to my team members or cross-functional stakeholders being like, let's use this positioning statement to kind of write out what we believe our product messaging is or positioning is, sorry, positioning for, for, for this product. I, I just went through this exercise for our platform the, on the Matterport side of things just last week with like, we workshop, workshop, workshop it with like our engineers, our product managers and so on. And it's interesting because a lot of people will touch on different things and they're not wrong and right. You know, nobody, nobody's right or wrong. Right? But, but I think it's interesting to get those perspectives and get them early because then you come up with a statement that, that everyone's comfortable with. So it's like five lines, right? And um, I don't know if we can maybe put it as like a link in the, in the podcast, but- Sure, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's as simple as, you know, I think the, 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 um, the long and short of it is that, you know, for- people looking for XYZ, our product is a product that does ABC. Um, unlike other products in this category, our product is different because of one, two, three, right? And right. and very easy, right? Like I actually, somebody posted on GitHub, right? So if you think about how repeatable that is, right? Like, and uh, you just take that uh, prompt and you fork it and you create your positioning. And it's something that time and time and over again has helped me, uh, you know, knock out some, some really successful messaging and marketing. Yeah. And like you mentioned, and, and workshopping it as a group is a great alignment tool because it, it brings it down to just something very crisp that everyone can see, everyone can rally around and understand. And then therefore you can create that messaging that naturally flows from that positioning rather than God forbid, creating messaging and trying to retrofit it into a positioning. Hey, you made it all the way through. Thank you for listening. And as a reward, here's a little extra bonus content. All right. So um, another thing that I love about you, Indy, is that you've got a real passion um, for the customer in the work that you do. And the customer actually plays um, a big role in messaging. It's something we chatted about. So tell me a bit about, tell me a bit about that. What is great about the customer? Yeah, you know, what I've always enjoyed in my career as a marketer is that, you, you know, you learn so much from talking to your customers, right? Whether it's the customers of like, you know, someone who's using, you know, uh, you know Google Docs, or Google Sheets, Slides, right? Uh, Google Workspace, or if it's somebody who's using your developer product, right? And when I was at MuleSoft, I'd spend a lot of time with those developers to kind of understand, you know, in, in their words, how they're using our solution, right? Because 
as, as a integration platform middleware, it's a pretty complex product, right? And the best way you can illustrate it is really through the examples that customers do, right? So it's one thing to know what you're building. You know, we talked about positioning before and why you're building it, who it's for, but it's very different than to kind of then see what your customer has to say about what you're right. right? Like is, you know, you can build something to spec, you can message it to spec, but then what's going to resonate in the market, right? And um, and I think it's uh, it's always eye-opening when you get that customer perspective because sometimes it can be so fresh and so pithy that then you're like, Let's inject that directly into our marketing. Let's, you know, take that home banner off and like, you know, replace that, 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 that copy that we spent like, you know, a week on with like copywriters and all, and let's just put that customer quote, right? And one example for you, um, you know, one that's always stood up, stood out in my mind was this is um, probably about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago when I was at Salesforce and Back then, you know, Salesforce was already a public company growing like a weed, but I was on the ground floor of like the Salesforce platform, like, you know, the app exchange ecosystem where we were bringing partners to come and build on our platform and be part of like, you know, something bigger. Right. And, um, and, you know, one of the, the things I remember is we were doing a video uh, with one of our customers who was using and, and partners who was using force.com, which was Salesforce's earlier platform as a service offering. And, um, uh, he was like a technical art architect, I think, at CA Technologies. And, uh, you know, during a video shoot, um, uh, and we can go into video shoots also as like a, as a, as a great medium, which I, which, I'm very, uh, which I think is always very effective when you get those uh, the customer perspectives. But one of the, the quotes there that, you know, just unprompted the guy gave us was saying like, you know, force.com is that robust layer of I don't have to worry about it. You know, and this is a developer, like an architect who sweats the details, has to think about his infrastructure. And when you think about what platform as a service is, in its essence, it's, you know, if you could just, you know, tell, explain to your grandma what it is or, you know, somebody else in layperson terms, like Sesame Street Simple, it's right. a robust layer of I don't have to worry about it. I was like, this is gold, you know, like, I, I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it may not resonate for everyone, but for somebody who's shopping around platforms and is like, does it do this? Does it check this list? Does it check that? Right. Having a statement like that is pretty powerful, specifically from someone like of that stature or like that as a reference. And so, you know, overnight, I, I, I you know, I, I wrote it down. It was in the video. And then at the time we had these, um, you know, scrum teams, the Salesforce was big on agile marketing at the time. Right. And you had to create a landing page for this asset and all that. And I gave them that quote and they were like, our copywriters are like, this is money, you know, like, let's use that as a pull-out quote. Let's use it as like, you know, in like banners and all. And, um, and you know, and, and the, the nice thing about that is that not only is it pithy, it goes to the heart of what you're trying to say, but it's also great validation, right? Like it's one thing, you know, of course you can say my product is great and it's a robust right. leader. We could have come up with that probably, but to have someone like verbatim say that and it'd be third-party validation, I think is extremely powerful. So, so to me, I think having that customer angle working it in as when you can and yeah whether it's like the practitioner the buyer the decision maker right i think it'd be super valuable yeah i i love that i always you know when i kind of do customer interviews i always transcribe all the conversations and i highlight phrases yeah. that come up right because they you know customers will explain it just naturally differently than you and a lot of it is it's that idea of the curse of knowledge, right? So when you're on the inside and, and you know everything, you just kind of, you have this way of talking about a feature or a benefit and customers will just like cut to the chase. And just like you said, it'll be so pithy. And yeah. you're like, 
wow, that's brilliant. And and they're just like, I'm not weighed down by all the technical knowledge that you have. It is, yeah, yeah. And hundred percent, you know, and like, you know, sometimes you'll get really into your inside baseball. And, and it's also because, you know, it's for creatures of habit, right? Right. You're so used to speaking about your product in a certain way that that's how you're the prism by which you're seeing it, right? But uh, but get, then getting somebody from the external saying, looking from the outside in, right? And saying, um, you know, I know one of the examples you used the other day, Emma, which, I, which is one of my favorite ones was, when Apple marketed the iPod being like, you know, it's 10,000 songs in your pocket, right? Or maybe the first one was 1,000. 1,000, right, pocket, yep. Right? And um, and then you look at how any other MP3 player, I'm old enough to remember those too, right? Like it was marketed back in the day was, oh, well, it's a 3.5, you know, inch hard drive with like right. 456 megabyte capacity. So roughly you can, you know, put this much music, right? And you're like, no, no, it's just, just say 10,000 songs. You lost me. Right? <laughs> yes. That's all you need, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so sometimes it'll take or either that customer perspective or you putting yourself in the shoes of that customer to say like, you know what, I love how this was built, how fancy it is, how technically advanced it is, but what's in it for the customer? Like, can I embody, exactly. can I empathize with what they're after that aspiration that they want? and plug that into my messaging. Right, absolutely. No, I fantastic. It's so good. Um so I love I love these stories. You've been at some amazing companies. Like I'm really impressed you're just like name dropping all these big oh. companies <laughs> and it's super cool. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the experiences you've had and kind of the journey your career's taken you and yeah, you've got you. a lot of, you know, product marketers watching this show and a lot of up and coming product marketers. So, we'd love to get some of your wisdom. I mean, what advice would you give to other product marketers and, you know, if you could go back in time and say something to your younger self, I mean, what would you like to share? Yeah, you know, um, I would say, I mean, I think this might be applicable to, to any career, right? Like I think, you know, I've been in, in marketing and the product marketing field for quite some time. And it's, it's a profession that I'm absolutely in love with, right? Like there's every day where I'm like learning and also contributing. And I would say this is a piece of advice I got from uh, a, a early mentor of mine at Salesforce, um, uh, Jason Garut. Uh, he, I think he's might be at Twilio now. You know, a lot of people kind of go, you know, it's All a big constellation of people. You'll, you'll always meet them at some point in your life. But he also went to the same business school as me. And so, you know, he, he kind of uh, gave me a lot of advice early on in my career. And um, the advice was the following. It was like, you know, there's a time to learn and a time to earn, Right. And I think early in your career, specifically if like, you know, you're just trying to teach yourself a new skill set or like a vocation or like a craft, right? Like you're going to have to, you know, you have to earn your stripes, no doubt, right? And you have to like learn and kind of be that humble sponge, right? Like be a, <laughs> and have a growth mindset. But at the same time, nobody else is going to look after your career other than you. Right. Like it's not like in school where like you, you know, you do well on a test and you get like, you know, you're the credits, you make the dean's list or that kind of stuff like that. That's in real life doesn't happen like that, right? You have to actively groom and design your career and, and you know, arguably your life also, right? And, right? and, you know, I have young kids, so arguably my career might be easier to manage than sometimes like my, my kids. But, uh, but, but all this to say is that I think there are times where, you know, you have to be comfortable and challenge yourself to either kind of like, you know, learn what you don't know, teach yourself new things and, 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 and grit it out, right? Like, I think that there have been times in my career where I was like, man, you know, I feel like I'm stuck or I'm like stagnating and like, but at the same time, I'm still learning stuff that's going to be really useful for me down the road, right? And if you have that end game inside, be very clear about what your goals are. But I would say, 
the balance of learning and earning, right? It's hopefully as you progress in your career, like, you know, you become better, you, you're known as like an operator in, in something and you're good at what you do. So presumably people will come to you and, and pay, uh, pay you for those skills, right? Um, and that's something that I think those two vectors are always an area where I'm trying to kind of right size where I am, you know? And I think I'll be fortunate in my career to kind of make some good bets or like, you know, have great people bet on me or, or me betting on, on, on great companies as well. And, um, and, and making those leaps um, here and there to kind of get to, to, to where I am today. And, you know, uh, I, I still feel like I'm, you know, getting to, uh, in my, in my, from a career point, I'm still, you know, aggressively trying to think about, you know, how I want to grow. Um, but I think the advice was between learning and earning is that if you're in a place where you're learning and earning, that's amazing, right? Like there's nothing like that. It's like literally you're being paid to, to do a job that you love and that you're good at and, and that kind of thing. But, um, and I would say, Sometimes you might want need to, maybe you take a hit. You're junior in your career, and you're you're more learning and optimizing on learning versus the earning, and that's fine, right? Because you have to get the craft. But if you're in an area where you know you're either earning but not learning, or neither earning or learning, then it's almost like you know the uh, how would I say uh, that's a tough spot, right? Because then I think you have to really force yourself to ask like, why am I still here, right? And, yes. and what is keeping me from either learning more? or earning more or doing both, right? And so so I don't mean, you know, so I think it's a convenient kind of, you know, duality, right? And, and I, hopefully it doesn't come off as, as crass, right? But it's, at the end of the day, it's your career, it's your livelihood, right? Yeah, you have to do what, you, what you're good at and, and also be recognized for, for what you do, right? And I think in my career, there were times where, you know, like, um, and, you know, like at Salesforce, I learned a tremendous amount, right? But I also had entered that company in an era where they had stopped giving, you know, like stock grants to anybody, right? And and every day people would look at stock you know, on the rise and <laughs> I'd be happy for the company, right? But I'm like, I don't have any skin in the game here, you know, like in terms of that, right? Like I'm still right. learning tons, right? And I and I wouldn't be nowhere in my career without having had that, that baseline at Salesforce, right? If you think about marketing and enterprise, you know, definitely one of the best sandboxes for a marketer to be in. But, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I was like, you know, I just had my first child. I was like, okay, I, I, I need to, you know, get to the next level. How do I get there? Right. And, uh, and, you know, that's why then I took opportunistic bets in other areas where I could continue to learn, but where I also have more skin in the game. So, so I think that's really the advice is be very deliberate about those two avenues. Right. Because I think, there's room for growth in both, and we naturally would like to optimize for both, but but don't settle for one where you know it, sometimes you can be making a lot of money, but where you're stagnating, and yeah. that might be okay for some people. Uh, you know, uh, for me, I'm always challenged, like you know, to give myself a growth mindset, and um, and you know, it's not really fun if you're not if you've plateaued out, right? Absolutely. So. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And they rhyme. How great is that? You know, yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> so it's, 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 convenient. it's convenient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's solid advice uh, that I think, yes, as you said, anyone can take that advice, not just someone in marketing. So that is uh, great. It's so super awesome chatting with you, Indy. I've loved everything you've had yeah. to say. Thank you for the yeah, advice. And yeah, it's been great. And thank you everyone for tuning in for the first episode of season two. Definitely come and check it out next week for more insights from the wild and wonderful world of leading product marketers. Amazing. Thank you, Emma. Great chat. <laughs> thank <Thanks> you. <laughs> Yay. That was so good. Nice. Okay, good. Tons good. of value there. Thank you. Tons awesome. of insight yeah. and value. Yeah, yeah really good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. So do you work a lot with like Alex and, and that team? Um, so I, I have, I do little things. So I do this and I did some moderation. He did, 
I, I mean, I don't, I think he's paused on them, but he did some kind of round tables with product marketers um, where it was just kind of like groups getting together, sharing knowledge. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't think he's still doing it. So I moderated those and I, and I do this and he's a friend now. So, um, okay. so yeah, that's, that's what I do. I love the community. Um, great people to me and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, yeah, I remember I met him a couple of years ago and then, you know, I did uh, some AMAs and then, you know, he's, he's just a great guy. And I think he's building something special because, you know, product marketing is a, you know, it's a small, it's a small world still. It right? is and, a small uh, world. And, um, and there's some people who just, it's one of those things where also where if you don't have to reinvent the wheel and I think Sharebird is such a great resource for best practices and that kind of stuff where you can immediately say, Oh, I didn't think about doing that in my organization. And, um, let me apply that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, just a lot of value for the community and just kind of raising up kind of the industry altogether. So yeah, it's really good. And Alex is awesome. He's a, yeah. such a good person. So yeah. Well, it's been great to chat with you and to meet you. And uh, now I and now I know you as I'm watching you on LinkedIn. So <laughs> yeah, I was say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I definitely look forward to following your adventures too. And also, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy your insights as well. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let me know what you think about Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll write a post about it. I'll tie it into messaging and plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I was, is it too nerdy? Like, if I make that comparison? No. But, but to me, I was, I was like, you know what? It's, it's, it's like, relevant. You look, at, you look at the plot and it's, I'm like, that's exactly the same movie, but why is one so much better than the other? Well, it's like plot structure is pretty straightforward, like Hero's Journey. I mean, it's kind of the same. Yeah. And so we're all working from the same structure. So, but all these stories are so different because of character and pacing and narratives, right? Yeah. So yeah. it can be yeah. good and it can suck. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can go one way or you can go the other way. Exactly. Like yeah. That. Yeah. And um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great. Okay. Good. See you, Wendy. Bye. Bye. Cheers for listening. For more messaging fun, sign up for my newsletter at punchy.co forward slash newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.